Hey guys, it's Amy Noble. I am a holistic dating coach and founder of Love Amy. You can find everything you need to know about me, including my cell phone number at loveamy.co. Hope you enjoy this episode. Well, guys, I am super excited about our next guest. Um, we've got Sarah Intelligator. She's a divorce attorney, an author, a speaker. She's got a really fresh take on finding love, keeping love. And we have a mutual friend who connected us. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Sarah, you have a book coming out in seven days. How exciting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes, it's um, it's a passion project that was many, many, many years in the works. And wow. um, I'm, wow. I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Live, Laugh, Find True Love. So tell us about the book, because maybe that's our, you know, pathway in to talk about all things, you know, dating and love. Sure. So the book is, so I'm, I'm a divorce attorney and um, I've been practicing for, um, you know, close to 20 years. And um, the book is essentially a guide to dating and finding a meaningful relationship, but it's unique in the sense that it's written from the perspective of a divorce attorney as opposed to the perspective of a therapist. And instead of teaching people what to do once they're already in a relationship or um, how to repair a broken relationship, I'm sort of reverse engineering the process and saying, this is what I've observed in my years as a divorce attorney. I've identified certain patterns amongst mm-hmm. all relationships that go wrong. You know, every relationship is obviously unique. The people in it are unique, but the patterns are unmistakably the same. Yeah. And so I take those patterns and I say, here's where things go wrong. Don't mm-hmm. do this. Do this because if you don't want to go wrong, here's what you need to do to go right. That's the basic premise. (laughs) That's amazing. So like as a divorce attorney, how did you, did you like just start kind of accumulating your knowledge and tips and how did this all come together? You know, it's funny because I went through my own divorce. And so I went through a lot of self-reflection, obviously, after that, um, you know, after my first marriage ended, I'm I'm remarried very happily now. And Mm, um, so a, a lot of, a lot of what, I, you know, I saw in other people's divorces, I also saw in my own divorce and it it just, it was so glaring to me. It just kept coming out. And the thing is that I don't really get an opportunity to get to people before they are in my office, before they set foot in my office. Right. I don't have that opportunity to say, don't do this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I only get to see them once they're actually there. And so I thought, what, you know, I have this, I have this amazing information that I can share with people. And if I can help people never set foot in my office, if I can help people find meaningful relationships for so many, so, so, so many reasons, um, I I would like to do that. Even though, you know, as I say in the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, this book is bad for business and I'm okay (laughs) with that. You know, it's, it's all right. (laughs) A little self-sabotage is okay for the greater good. No, I think that's amazing. So so the people listening right now are women and men who are single primarily, and they have tried all different ways of meeting people. Um, If they've come to me to listen to this podcast, they are self-reflective and they're open-minded. What are some of your go-to tips for people who are dating? And by the way, my, my clients who, and, and my, you know, listeners are, 
primarily probably late 20s all the way up to like 60, 60 plus. So, you know, we've got a really wide range of audience. So we'd love some tips for them. <laughs> that's a that's a great, uh, a great section of the dating pool. And and the cool thing is that a lot of these things that I talk about, they really don't pertain to any age any sort of race, religion, uh, gender, any gender preference, any uh, sexuality. I mean, it's, it's across the board because all human beings, we kind of have the same instincts. And yeah. so um, I think that these, these tips can apply to any age. So that's wonderful to hear that you have such a, a wide um, gamut of your, of your demographic there. So uh, the, the premise of the book is that I break down relationships, like the reason relationships fail into six, what I call F words, the dirty Mm -hmm. F words. Mm -hmm. And um, each F word is a reason that relationships go wrong and Mm -hmm. what you should do within the ambit of that F word to make things go right. So the very first F word is fundamental values. Mm, Um, While the rest of the F words are in no particular order, I think fundamental values is the very it's, it's first because if you and your partner do not share at least three to five, you know, the more the merrier fundamental values, then yeah. the relationship cannot move forward. It can, it can, it's just going to fall apart down the road. And, mm-hmm. and I say that with so much certainty because it's just a fact. It's the reality. People think, oh, you know, we have so much in common, but a lot of those things are very superficial. They're not fundamental. And when I talk about fundamental values, I'm really talking about things that are going to be important to you for the rest of your life and have been important to you for for your entire life leading up to this point. Um, So things like, for example, like faith or religion or spirituality, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is like to a lesser degree, but it can be a big one. Like punctuality is even, um, it could be a a fundamental value, right? Yeah. Things like that, where no matter how old you're going to be, it's going to be fundamentally important to you. And that's distinguishable from fleeting interests. For example, um, oh, you know, I happen to be really into music. Uh, you know, well, right. okay, I'm into music too. Alignment. Yeah, totally. But like when you have children, you might not be able to go to concerts, you know, multiple nights per week or even you know, once a month. Whereas when you're younger, that might be so important to you, but it's maybe not fundamental. Maybe there's something deeper underlying that need, like a, for going to concerts, listening to live music, um, like the need to be around people, the need to Creativity. be immersed in yeah, yeah, arts and culture, things like that. And that might be the actual fundamental value that's just manifesting as a superficial value at that phase of your life. So identify mm. your fundamental values and then Conduct the job interview. When you go on your date, pepper in some, you know, questions into the conversation that are geared toward ascertaining whether this person shares your fundamental values. It might not be all on a first date. It might not be on a second date. It might be on a third or fourth or fifth. The courtship process is being used to ascertain whether you share fundamental values. And if you don't, it is much easier to end the relationship now than it is to dismiss this as something insignificant and then later on end up divorced and you know have to deal with dividing furniture and assets and sharing custody of your kids not things we're thinking about when we start dating 
Right? No, it's, you know, you have such a unique lens, right? Because you really know the statistics, which are still pretty grim, the divorce statistics. Um, yeah. And you and I are on the same mission. I think it's funny because we both have the, the word holistic in our titles and, you know, um, looking at the, the whole person. And I think, you know, we're on a similar mission to help people, to help get ahead of it so that, you know, no one has ever taught us any of this. And no. I tell my clients all the time, it's like, you know, no one has taught us how to be consciously aware of choosing a partner, how to be intentional about this. So can you give an example of maybe a situation, you know, without obviously using names where, you know, the, the values were just mismatched and that's why things fell apart? I, I mean, it happens in most cases that I see. Mm -hmm. um, people either, you know, oh, we both love yoga or we both love to travel or we both, you know, it's like they mm -hmm. mistake these shared interests, yes. but really the, the, as they go through their lives together um, or, or, you know, they don't think about these things. That's, that's oftentimes more of the issue. For example, um, you know, you'll have people who are blissfully getting along and everything's perfect. And then they have children. Yeah. And then yeah. they start to realize, you know, hey, um, I want my kids to eat really, really healthy foods. And the other parents like I'm into junk food. And one parent is really pro vaccination and the other is really against it. And right. one parent is um, really pro private school and the other is like, no, I want to go to public school. And these all of these things in amalgamation create this power struggle and um, this dissonance in the relationship. And there, it leads to irreconcilable differences ultimately because these are things that are not themselves necessarily fundamental values, but indicative of a deeper fundamental value. Like if you're really into leading a very like healthy, holistic lifestyle, then you're gonna probably make certain choices for your child or want your child to uh, be raised a certain way. And if the other parent isn't on board with that, then you're going to take it really personally because when it comes to your child, sure. that person saying that your decision-making is bad or wrong is like a personal attack on your parenting, which when you become a parent is everything. And so now you're yep. pitted against your partner and totally. your enemies instead of on the same page, working together as a team. And, um, you know, teamwork is one of the um, I, I, the next F word is, is foundation. Yeah. So within foundation, I talk about um, the foundation is I kind of analogize it to the building of a house and you don't mm -hmm. have to know anything about construction to know that if the foundation of your house or your building is not intact, then the building is going to crumble and ultimately fall. And so right. um, I, a foundation consists of several pillars, which I call like the support beams of the relationship. Things like teamwork, respect, trust, honesty, um, communication, things like that. And as once we ascertain that we share fundamental values, the next step is we need to start to build the foundation of our relationship. And although we can have all of these five pillars intact, we can also do things as the relationship progresses to knock down those support beams and to knock out those pillars. And mm -hmm. that will start to weaken the structure of the relationship. And so um, being keenly aware of these pillars as you, not only as the relationship develops, but as the relationship is, you know, as you head into marriage, as you are married, as you are in the relationship, 
um, continuously paying attention to these pillars and making sure that they remain intact and working on them. Um, that's a huge one. So, so foundation is, is the next F word. Um, right. And then there are and, more, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think talk to us a little more about the foundation, you know, how, how does someone listening kind of say, Oh my gosh, like I know my audience and they love like homework and they love like, you know, <laughs> figuring things out for themselves. What would you, how do you figure out what your pillars are? So pillars are distinct. I'm sorry. Foundation is distinguishable from fundamental values and that fundamental values will vary from person to person. So that's something where you need to do your homework and you need to kind of define for yourself what your fundamental values are. What was important to you for your whole life? What defines you? What is the essence of your being? What is going to continue to be important to you for the rest of your life? Um, think about what's important to you today. And, and then from there, use that as a springboard to kind of figure out what's fundamental versus what is sort of fleeting. So those vary from person to person. Foundation is distinguishable from fundamental values in that foundation, a solid foundation will look the same in every single relationship. It's, it. it consists of the same five pillars, honesty, trust, communication, respect, and teamwork. Those Got are the it. pillars. They need to be there in every single relationship, all five. And a lot of times we will do things in a relationship that will like knock out one of those pillars. Sure. And maybe many of those pillars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in early dating, how does someone, you know, cause I have, if anyone's listening, I do have a core values quiz that I have people take and I'll DM you the quiz and, and that it spits out at you. Like, like all of your core values in order of importance. Like when I took it, I was sort of like, oh my gosh, like I knew gratitude was important to me, but it's my number one value. And when you look at your core values, you can then build the roadmap for the questions you ask on dates. And right. that's a really, really big part of this. Um, when you're in early dating or when even after date five, six, seven, when you're starting to head towards like exclusivity or thinking about it, um, how do you ascertain whether those pillars that everybody needs to have a healthy relationship are even there, right? Because someone might appear to have integrity, but you find out a year later that they cheated three times on three different partners. And like, how do you, you know, how do you ascertain that information? Yeah, that's a really good question because a lot of times this information is revealed to us over time and there's nothing that we can really do to get to it faster. Right. But we also do have to trust our intuition. And a lot of times, and this kind of leads me sort of, it's a nice segue to my next pillar, which is fear, is that we mm. have the intuition. We kind of sense things and we know when something is off. And a lot of times fear is what talks us out of it. Um, it, it kind of quells our intuition. And so, you know, for example, um, honesty and trust are the first two pillars. Well, honesty is, honesty builds trust. If someone's honest with you, then you're going to start to trust them. And, um, you know, and trust is something that's gained over time, but it's gained because somebody is consistently being honest with you. They're doing things that show their integrity versus uh, conversely, if someone is um, maybe being a little devious or hiding things from you, you might not, you might kind of get a sense like something is a little off here. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times we stay in relationships or we enter into them out of fear. And right. so fear is selecting our partner. We are not selecting our partner. Our intellect is not selecting our partner. Um, yep. We're yep. afraid that we might never meet someone better. We might not find someone better. We are afraid 
that we'll be alone if we leave this relationship. And it's better to have a relationship than no relationship. Mm-hmm. We're afraid that maybe for, you know, for women or our biological clocks are ticking. Well, it's better to be with someone and, and have children than yeah. perhaps the possibility that we might not, even though there are obviously options available. I mean, I um, see this all the time, all the time. Oh, yeah. And I always say like, we're either operating from fear or love and there's a big, big continuum. And it's people don't realize they're operating from fear. That's the thing. So like they'll make up excuses like, oh my gosh, you know, no, he's so, he's so great when he's not, or they'll Mm -hmm. talk themselves into, you know, someone who um, really is not aligned with them for, for various, just as you're saying. So yeah, it's fascinating. And so that's, and that's where I think, you know, fear and foundation go hand in hand. It's like, you know, a lot of people, I I liken it to Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio, where Jiminy Cricket was telling Pinocchio, no, don't go there, don't do that. And Pinocchio just shushed him and ended up locked in a cage by Stromboli, right? But if he had listened to his Jiminy Cricket, then he wouldn't have ended up in trouble. And we Mm -hmm. have this Jiminy Cricket sitting on our shoulder, just like whispering in our ear. But we just say, shh, shh, because we just want to make sure that we stay in the relationship and then if we admit these things to ourselves, we have to face the inconvenient fact that the relationship needs to end. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, having gone through my own divorce and having watched so many people go through theirs, I can say very emphatically that time heals all. Mm-hmm. The one thing time doesn't heal is a child who's been negatively impacted by divorce a contentious and acrimonious divorce between his or her parents, that will scar that child for life. And I know when people are dating, they're not really thinking about their future children that much, but it is something that should be in the back of your mind because it is much easier to end a relationship, even though it doesn't feel like it, it feels like the end of the world. It is much easier to end a relationship now that you know isn't working than to go through the financially and emotionally costly divorce process, um, even the most amicable divorces. You know, you do spend money. It's expensive. Um, drag your children through it. It's just, it, you know, children can turn out okay um, and, and actually thrive if their parents get along well. But the reason you're getting divorced is because you don't get along well for the most part and you don't right. see eye to eye. And so, um, you know, it... it, it if you got if you got along and you saw eye to eye, you probably wouldn't be getting divorced. And, well, here's and, a question. Yeah. No. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a question. So, you know, as a divorce attorney, do you often see couples who, in retrospect, say, "Oh yeah, 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 the flags were there," or "Yeah, we're, we weren't aligned. We we were never aligned on money, or we were never aligned on religion, or we, you know, do you see that happen all the time? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yep. And, yep. and it's, um, it's a really difficult and humbling admission to make because you're, you're admitting usually to me, I'm a stranger when they're making the submission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. You're, you're admitting that you made a really big mistake. And I, I don't like the word mistake. Cause I think that, um, you know, I don't think of divorce as a mistake. I think of it as a learning experience. If you really do come away from it, realizing, you know, where things went wrong and, and grow from it. But, um, it's, it's a difficult thing to admit. And, um, 
So yeah. it's just, it's just, it just furthers our cause, right? Because you can see that had you done your investigative work up front and gotten really curious, I do think as a dating coach, I see it all the time because we're never taught how to do this. There is such fear around, you know, for women, it's like the need to be chosen is so pervasive. And I'm actually mm-hmm. writing a book right now. I'm writing quite a bit about this topic. And that, that because we're trained to be chosen to, to achieve, you know, mm-hmm. and we're applying the same principles to dating that we would getting into business school or getting a job. And that, that fear, that fear of not being chosen is blinding us to the real, the real objective, which is to be accepted as exactly as we are. Yeah. And to be really clear about that. Do you see that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting perspective and a really unique one. And I think, you know, without getting too much into the cliche, you know, societal pressures and things like that, I do think that a lot of the society we live in does place pressure on women, which creates a lower self-esteem in many Mm -hmm. ways. And so when someone does choose us, um, kind of part and parcel of what you're saying, it feels like this most extreme validation of who we are. And so we often are just so excited that someone thinks we're pretty or someone thinks we're smart. And it's like without going into it confidently knowing, you know what, I have a great package to offer here. And it's, it's not that someone should, I should feel validated. It's nice. Yes. It's very flattering when someone thinks these things about us, it's lovely, but we shouldn't be selecting a relationship or a partner because this person thinks these things about us. These, this person should think we're amazing all around in an incredible package, but we should also know our worth entering into it so that we're not entering into it because someone is validating us. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I always say, it's like, we need to come from our worth, not our wounds. And I think that's part of the work too. Um, But share with us, are there more F words? (laughs) That is actually, yet again, just a wonderful segue into my next F word. Um, And again, there are no particular order. So that was a great segue into fixing. Mm. Fixing is a two-parter. It's, um, it's, okay, you feel like you need to fix your partner. You need Uh to change certain aspects about him or her. you know, it never works. Somebody has to want to change who he or she is. And at that, you know, things are so ingrained in us. We have a past, we can improve ourselves, but most people don't really change like really fundamentally. And so this notion that we're going to change someone, especially as we get more complacent as the relationship progresses and we're not trying to impress as much anymore. It's just, um, it never works. So that's, (laughs) <laughs> That's one aspect of fixing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the second aspect is that we should, and this is kind of what we were talking about, that we enter into the relationship having fixed ourselves. Our relationship mm-hmm. is not a vehicle yes. for fixing our issues or working through our issues. That's not to say we don't all have our scars and our wounds and our past. And all of those things are wonderful because they make us um, this unique individual and, and they're part of our sensitivities and our vulnerabilities. And those are all great, but we don't like, Oh, I didn't speak to my dad um, for my whole life. And I hate my dad and he abandoned the family. 
and I have never gone to therapy and I've never worked through these issues. And now I'm going to select this husband who's exactly like my dad. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to work through those issues with my husband, not, not consciously. Right. It's not conscious. I was going to say, but it happens (laughs) all the time. Right. And then you end up marrying your dad or someone like him because you're gravitating toward this person because you're trying to reconcile yeah. Um, these feelings of abandonment within yourself. And you then want to be chosen. Because, you want to be chosen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And because this person is exactly like your dad, you can't help but play a dynamic relationship. And that's just a really toxic situation. It's, it's destined for failure. So that's yeah. something that's really important is it doesn't mean you're going to be fixed or that your wounds are going to be healed. Like scars always remain. Like you can always see a scar on your skin it can be a wonderful reminder of the things you've learned from that injury. Um, And so it can actually help you very much in a relationship to have worked through it and gone through it, but you're not, you're not letting your, and you kind of said something to this effect earlier. You're not letting the wound or the scar or the trauma select your partner for you. You have to be fixed and enter into the relationship and you get to choose your partner. I love that so much. And I say this quite often, but you can make in a, in a healthy relationship, you can make each other's wounds a love language. So you're aware of each other's wounds. You can help when the other is triggered and you're not hiding them from yourself and you're not hiding them from your partner. So a lot of that is self-awareness too, and really being aware. Um, Okay. Yay. Yeah. Love it. Love that one. Okay. So I think I've covered one, two, three, four. So we have two more, which are um, fairy tale, mm. um, which is it, just like it sounds, you know, marriage, having children, uh, children won't save your marriage. Getting married is not the end goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if there, there's this, and I talk about this in the book, um, but there's this quote by Nietzsche, which I'm just paraphrasing. And it's, if you can find your why, you can find your how. And so mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. your why is, um, is to get married, then any mm-hmm. person will – your how is to find anyone who will marry right. you. Not the right, right. person, right? Anyone. But, but mm-hmm. if your, your, your um, why is to find a person who shares fundamental values with you, you have a strong foundation in your relationship, then your how will be to find that person who is yeah. going to be the right partner for you. And so I, so I think that, you know, we place so much emphasis on the wedding, the marriage, these very mm. fairy tale notions that, you know, and, and I, this is a very unpopular thing that I'm going to say, but the, your wedding day is not oh, the most important. It. It's not the most important day of your life. It is not, not. It is not. No. It is not hashtag blessed, hashtag grateful, hashtag best day ever. It is not that. It can be a wonderful day and it is a wonderful day and it can be a wonderful celebration, but the day should not be more important than the thing it purports to celebrate, which is the relationship between two people who are well-matched. And a lot of people place more emphasis on the day than on the actual person he or she is married. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more as someone who just got married at City Hall <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> um, it's, it's so true. And I felt that so deeply that day. And, you know, it's sort of the epidemic, I think, of this culture, though, that, that, 
you know, we're so consumed with outside expectations and we're so consumed with looking for happiness outside of ourselves. Like the wedding will, will be just this open door to happiness. And it starts with you. It starts within, you know, you can't look at the outside world to make you happy. It'll never work. It's a flawed structure. And so I love what you're saying in terms of really looking inward and figuring these things out ahead of time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we hear the end, happily ever after the end. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, but there's a whole lifetime that follows the wedding and a lot of real stuff happens in that lifetime like having children for, you know, for most people, they get married, then they have the children, um, you know, financial responsibilities, work, job stuff, um, so many ups and downs. And if you don't have a teammate who approaches conflicts and challenges in a similar way to you, which is speaks to fundamental values, um, then you're going to actually have a lot of dissonance, um, trying to navigate life and life's problems because a good relationship, a telltale sign of a good relationship is not how well you get along during the good times, but how well you work together through the bad times. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And it's, it's always going to be a roller coaster. I mean, I don't subscribe. This might be unpopular. I don't subscribe to that whole notion that like, God, relationships are really hard. I don't either. (laughs) I, I, right? I, don't like, I don't, I think if you're in the right, healthy relationship for the most part, it should, you should feel a lot of joy, daily joy. Yeah. You should feel a lot of gratitude. You should feel, you should have fun and laugh daily. And will there be hard times? Oh yes. Will there be dips in, you know, like valleys? Yes, of course it's life, but you're right. It's, it's how you react in those times, the, those hard times. It's how you react to each other. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that you should, even in those hard times, you should almost feel drawn closer to your partner in a way because you're navigating those difficult times together. Whereas team. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you do tend to approach conflicts in very different ways that are dissonant, then you are going to feel very torn during those tumultuous times and I, I, t- I couldn't agree more. I've been in both types of relationships. I've been in the one where it's hard. It's hard work every day. And you, yeah. and I hear people say, oh, relationships are so hard. And I'm like, no, wrong relationships are hard. Right relationships yes. are easy and fulfilling. Yes, yes, exactly. And we don't, we're not conditioned to know that. No. <laughs> and most of us have pretty bleak role models. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, you know, it's tough. Um, yeah. Okay. What else? We, you're like we... a psychic. You're like, you're just like almost like volleying the ball so I can spike it over in the net, getting me to my next F word. Do you talk about, we don't have good role models. Well, family is my last F word. Ah, there you go. And, um, I think family, you know, as, as a divorce attorney, I see family have really dire effects on relationships in many different ways. Family kind of is one of these concepts that that takes on many different roles. Um, One, somebody can be very close to his or her family. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, then your partner needs to get along with the family or your partner needs to meet the family and make sure that the family approves of him or her. Because guess what? If your partner is close to his or her family, that family is going to be around a lot. 
And I've mm-hmm. seen families be really judgmental of a partner where that takes a toll on the relationship. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's just inevitable for obvious reasons, right? Um, if someone isn't close to his or her family, mm-hmm. why? It mm-hmm. might not be a bad thing. It might be, you know, but has this person fixed whatever issues that alienation from family may or may not have caused? Um, right. Is there a reason for it? Like, is there some sort of trauma that you need to know about in this person's life that could affect how he or she deals with relationships or his or, his or her understanding of a family unit? Like if you're planning to start a family with this person, right? Oh, that's like, so interesting. I just thought of a question that would be really good to ask on dates because that's what my brain goes to. It's like, because <laughs> yeah. I always ask like, I always tell my clients to ask, like, not just, of course, you're asking about family and, but to ask, who are you in your family? Who yeah. are you? Like, what role do you play in your family? Right. And yeah. everybody does. Um, but another really good question to ask would be, tell me about your past major relationships and, and the relationship between your family and your ex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't lead out the gate without on a first date, but I think no, that's no, no, something no, no. that is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not a first date, but like, I do think that's really interesting. Yes. That would, I think you know, it's important. Yeah. To, to really at least tease out, you'll get some, you'll get some clues, you know, yeah. cause like there are people who are like, yeah, good luck with my mom. She's never liked any of my girlfriend. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. Right. And why? You know, why is that? Like, maybe that's a mom who has a really unhealthy connection to her son and feels very possessive of him. And so, you know, that might be, this might be the best person you've ever met in your life and you might love this person. But if that mom is going to constantly be making jabs at you for the entirety of your relationship, or, you know, you're going to suddenly have kids and you're going to feel like you're more powerful than this mom. And then it's going to be more of a threat to her. Like, is this something that you're willing to deal with? And I know it seems like in the moment that you are, because you're like, Oh, this is the best person I've ever met or fear starts saying, Oh, you don't want to be alone. Um, You'll never find anyone better, whatever. But but this is a huge piece of the puzzle. I call family like the orienting corner piece of a puzzle where like mm-hmm. you put yeah. it in the corner and then you know kind of where to start to lay the other pieces. It's like you get this glimpse behind the curtain of the person's like VIP access to who they are. Yeah. That we don't it's otherwise like a scaffolding. Get. It's like some really important yeah. scaffolding that like, and it's so funny you say that because one of my clients recently, she's in LA and three times on their first date, the mom called her date. And like, it was, I mean, it was, we were in hysterics, you know, three times. What are you doing now? Oh, you're still on the date. Okay. Well, call me back. Are you going to call me back? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's one of those uh, red oh, flags, but so funny. You no, know, but yeah. Oh. Cause that's a boundary issue too. It's like, what does that say about your date? Like, what does that say about this person, this person? Okay. Well, the mom might be very pushy and whatever, but also it might speak to the date and his or her ability to set boundaries with his mother. Completely. Completely. I mean, it was really, it actually was comical. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Paying attention. So I think any other tips for family? Um, I think mainly just, you know, get to know the family or about the family or the family dynamic as soon as possible, because these are clues that are invaluable in whatever respect 
they tend to manifest. And so if it's, you know, someone's close to their family, get to know the family. If someone isn't close to the family, well, that's going to give you a lot of information about this person. And they're, you know, are they, are they invested in themselves through therapy? Like for me, I'm, for me, I'm, you know, my mom and I don't have that close of a relationship, but it took me years to really reconcile that and mourn it, mourn the relationship I wish I had with her. And now we have this really delightful, very, you know, surface relationship and it's nice. Um, so it's, I think it is important to ask those questions versus just judging out the gate. Like, oh, I haven't spoken to my mom in a couple of years. It's like, oh my gosh, well, why? And how does that make you feel? And, you know, have you really worked through that kind of thing? Well, because they're understanding the greater significance of that too, is that if you haven't worked through that, then you might be choosing a certain partner because you you're, you feel like your mom yes. abandoned you or your mom didn't love you. And so you're choosing a partner. Again, we talk about the, our issues, choosing our partner instead of our intellect. And that is, you know, where if, if that was the other person, if that was the date that I was going on and someone told me, you know, oh, I don't talk to my mother or whatever, I would want to know more because that would tell me what this person's potential issues are in, in their impetus for selecting me like, sure. I don't want to become the replacement mother figure here um, so that Absolutely. this person can work out his or her issues. And I mean, yes, we all have issues with our mothers. I mean, I have I had my issues with my mother that I think informed and I have a great relationship with my mother. My mother's awesome. But but there were some issues there that I think actually were the very reason I selected my first husband that I mm. later realized I didn't know yeah. at the time. And so it just, it it does impact our decision-making and it's important to have the wherewithal to self-reflect on that, but to also reflect on how the other person's issues with his or her family could impact their role in the relationship with you and their selection of you as a partner and how that relationship's going to play itself out in many ways. I think that's so enlightening, especially since, you know, my audience, they're, they're dating, they're looking for their partner. And when you're 28 or 38 or 40 plus, a lot of, you know, you're not going to necessarily be thinking of these things. Mm-hmm. You just, you just won't, you know, you're kind of connecting the values, you're, you're connecting the, the main lifestyle alignments, family, family, meaning like, what's the family plan? Okay, you want kids too? Great. But I think really families of origin and, and the impact they've had and, and whether or not this potential partner is, where are they on the healing continuum? Because I think we're all healing <laughs> at oh. any given point from something, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but how self-aware are they? I think that's what we're looking for too. Yeah. I think that's amazing. I think it's great. Um, these are just so, these, <laughs> these tips are so incredible. And I know my audience is going to love them. Um, do you believe that it's better to be single than be in the wrong relationship? A hundred percent. And the funny thing is that people, I find that most people who come to that realization and really truly believe it, they're the ones who end up finding the right relationship versus the ones who need to be in a relationship, want so desperately to be in a relationship. They end up settling for any relationship because I think fear can have more control over them in that scenario. Whereas if you're just free from it, the fear is not there to make the decisions. There's no pressure. 
Totally. And I mean, I, anyone who knows me and my work, it's like, I'm also an intuitive and I do a lot of manifesting work and energy work with clients. And it's the hardest thing to grasp. It's like putting out there what you want and really getting clear with what you want and then letting it go Mm -hmm. and, and really fulfilling, you know, filling yourself with love and compassion, treating yourself the way you would treat your best friend, both internally in your head and externally. And I see it all the time. The minute my clients are able to let go of the vice grip of like, I need a relationship to complete me. The minute they can let go of that and just like a balloon, you sort of just let it go. It's like, boom, you know, they meet someone really special and they're not force fitting it. It's, it's because they've done that work. Definitely. Definitely. I see it all the time. So I absolutely I can agree more. (laughs) Well, this is, you are so incredible and I'm so excited for this book and I want everybody to go to Amazon right now. (laughs) Um, It's called Live, Laugh, Find True Love by Sarah Intelligator. And I will put this in the show notes so everybody can order it. I ordered mine. I'm waiting for it. I get it in seven days. Um, Congratulations on this book. It's like such a labor of love. It really is. And I, you know, I, like I said, this book is bad for business and I don't care. I'm okay with that because I've been through my own divorce. I've watched countless, very good people go through their own divorces. And I think they were totally avoidable. You know, 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. But I think of that 50%, like 95% should never have existed in the first place and and could not have existed had people really considered a lot of these things before they entered into a marriage. And, you know, and, and so if I can get to people, you know, main, my main goal, my main, yeah. I, I don't want people to go through it, but I'm just so passionate about making sure children don't mm-hmm. go through it. I just, I yeah. witness it. I'm a mother. I, even before I was a mother, I was just Um, You know, that was the most heart-wrenching thing to me was watching what the children went through. And then the children, Mm -hmm. you know, not all children, again, like children can be very well adjusted if their parents go through an amicable divorce, but it is, it is a shock. Um, It is a huge trauma to a child whose entire stability and world is, is shaken by this really jarring life event. And so, Um, You know, and then in turn, those children go on to see this is the mirror. This is the um, example for relationships for them. Or, um, you know, they they have a lot of issues that then they carry into relationships. And so it's like a revolving door in many ways. And so if I can just prevent some children from going through this, like that is like so important to me here. Um, so yes, I love your mission. (laughs) I think you're amazing. I'm so excited for this book and I really think it's going to help. So how do how can people find you, get more information on you, the book, your philosophies? So, um, they could go to my website. Um, I have two websites, my, my law practice website and the book is on there and a lot of other things, some other resources, my blog, um, it's lafamilylawpractice.com. Okay. And then the book itself has a landing page, which is um, live, laugh, find true love.com. And then my Instagram is Sarah dot a dot 
Esq, which is a mouthful, but um, that's my Instagram, and I post a lot of tips and relationship advice and things Amazing. like that on there. And I'll put that again, and you know, I'll I'll put this up on Instagram and put all that info in there. But thank you, Sarah, so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right, take care. Okay, bye bye. Bye.